What's the point of men, anyway? Um, speaking of gay stuff... I like how extra Milton is here. Hello and welcome to Pass the Hot Sauce, a Roswell podcast. I'm Aliza Ora. I'm Lisa Abigail. And I'm Lorena Rose. We're here to talk about every episode of the 1999 WB series Roswell, one episode at a time and spoiler free. Today we're discussing season one, episode 12, Into the Woods. According to Google, this is the one where a UFO sighting on the edge of town ignites long buried fears, while Max, Liz, and the others spend a weekend together in the woods. This episode was written by Tanya St. John, who we've talked about before. This is the last that we'll see her until she returns for season two. And it was directed by Nick Mark, who directed six episodes of The Wonder Years way back in the day. He directed ten episodes of Veronica Mars. He would go on after Mm. this to direct Sherry Appleby in two episodes of Life Unexpected, which is the show in which I first saw her. And he directed... Seven episodes of a little show y'all might have heard of called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. His episodes Woo-hoo. include Spuffy Favorites, Something Blue, and Fool for Love. Oh! Yeah. Nice. Those are great episodes. Yes. The original air date for this was the 26th of January, 2000. So we are now solidly into the year 2000. And no Y2K, woohoo! Thank goodness. The world is still here. Yes, but it might be threatened by this giant thunderclap that we hear to start the episode. It's very ominous. And these bright, scary lights. And And these two teens making out. Yeah, in the woods, in a familiar position in the back of a truck. Who does this remind us of? Vicky! (sighs) For anyone who missed it, we have a new eerie sad sorry because it's sadder than i initially planned it to be but hey this is what happened here is the vicky jingle if you missed it must have been a man who wrote your part i hope kyle didn't break your heart vicky Shout out to Eliza for making us all cry. Thanks and we hate you. <laughs> I, I felt like I really had to do it to honor Vicky's memory. Oh, what a sad, sad, short, short storyline. <laughs> so we officially opened then after this at the crashdown with nary a Vicky in sight. And the return of the voiceover. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Ugh. This is where I started to get really mad, because whether you work in the food service industry or not, if you sneeze into your hand, you must wash it. Also, don't sneeze into your hand. Yeah. That's what elbows are for. Yeah, it seems like the obvious solution is just don't do it. Especially if you want today to be the first day of the rest of your life, which Maria (laughs) does. This is a weird uh, way to come to work. 
where you just show up back a house at the restaurant you work at and you're like sex and noises unbuttoning her uniform she's like here's my red satin well the writers are like here's a teenage girl's red satin bra and i'm like ew there are three different teenage girls in their bras in this episode (laughs) that is so much yeah there's the poor vicky (laughs) lookalike in the opening there's Maria here, and then there's Liz later with her dad yeah. walking in. How weird and awkward and unnecessary. All of it. And then there's Maria again. Especially yeah. for an episode that ultimately is about dads, is about like father-child relationships. Why did we need this? Answer, we didn't. As Maria says, aren't you tired of being a slave to men? To which I would like to play the buffering, the patriarchy jingle at her very loudly. (laughs) If anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about, please Google buffering the vampire slayer and listen to, I mean, their entire podcast, but specifically that jingle, but listen to the whole thing. But finish this episode first. I am so here for this misandry. (laughs) Yeah. I love how she comes in and is just like all about like, we don't need men. What's the point of men anyway? Um, and that Liz is like, is this your mom? Oh, this is definitely <laughs> yes. from your mom. <laughs> Although it does get flipped a little bit later when Maria's just like, boys are noticing me. Notice me, boys. Like, I what know. happened to, to the screw you men narrative? I enjoyed that for the three seconds that we got it. Um, also, I think I know how Liz got her cold. It's because she takes things that were in other people's belly buttons and she puts them in her nose to freak out her Ooh. father. Ew. <sighs> Yeah, weird. She takes Maria's little belly ring that's a fake belly ring that hasn't pierced anything, and she's just like, sticks it in her nose and walks out and's like, hey, dad. I also want to point out that this is where we get our first laugh of the episode. Ah. It is very small. It's when Maria shows her fake belly button ring to Liz. Liz has an almost laugh, and then Maria's not in. Uh, not in the frame, but you can hear her laugh a little. So that is our first laugh of the episode. Cute. I believe there are three, <gasps> and I'll point the others out. It's so many for Roswell. That's just like a I giggle know. fest. Oh, the other, the the second one is right after this when Liz tricks her dad. Yeah, this is the start though of her just not telling him how she feels and what she wants, which I don't love. Yeah. And then who should? Burst into the crashdown in the most dramatic fashion possible. Our real hero of the whole show, (laughs) Milton! Yay, Milton! So this is like a very dramatic way to be looking for one of your employees. Oh, extra. You have Max's phone number. You can just call him and be like, hey, bud, I need you to come in a little early because I have news. You don't run across the street to the diner where you know he hangs out sometime and go, where is Max Evans? <laughs> and accuse some girl of being his girlfriend in front of her dad, I who know. gets very excited. Oh, yes. He wants to be involved in his daughter's life. Yeah. Oh, Milton. I like how extra Milton is. Remember here. when oh, we thought too. he was good at his job? <laughs> <laughs> he still is. There are now no adults good at their job by the end of this episode. I mean, to be fair, this is like his hobby slash obsession that he's not good at. He might still be good at running the UFO center, even if he just abandoned it in the middle of the day to run across the street to the crash down. Presumably he has other employees. Someone's watching. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. There's 
there's got to be more than just him and Max. It's a big place. They can't both be there seven days a week. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. But they are both there when we come back from the credits so that Milton can tell us about the sighting of a UFO. Bum, bum, bum. And he's seen a lot of hoaxes, but this one's the real thing. Well, no, it had witnesses. It was witnessed by a hiker named Buzz, two motorists, a family that was camping, and a fly fisherman by the name of Rocky Calhoun. Plus those two teens, presumably, who were, like, making out in the truck bed, although they're not mentioned. They yeah. may not have well, reported it. Well, it just means they didn't report it. not. They were busy. And we find out that the sighting was near the Indian Reservation. Yes. Is this where they first say that it's in Fraser Woods? Because I tried to look up Fraser Woods. There's no Fraser Woods. <laughs> there is. I found Fraser Park or Fraser Mountain in New Mexico, but it's like in northwest New Mexico and not near Roswell at all. It's part of Carson National Forest. So oh, okay. I'm guessing this is just made up. Well, the place where they filmed the Fraser Woods scenes, according to my research, was Topanga State Park in the Santa Monica Mountains, right near the Mulholland Freeway, conveniently located. <laughs> that sounds about right. I know. I, I've heard of Topanga Topanga, from Topanga from Boy Mates World, Topanga. yeah, totally. Yes, <laughs> I've heard of Topanga Canyon from Six Feet Under. Oh, okay, oh. that's where Aunt Sarah lived. It probably doesn't have as good hair as Topanga from Boy Meets World did. Uh, no, she has amazing nobody hair. and nothing does. Oh, so good. Danielle Fischel, oh, oh. dreamy. So next is I think a scene with Milton and Max together, where Milton is telling Max all about this and saying. Something about, like, a close encounter, and who can say they've had one of those? Something like that. Right. <laughs> yes, conveniently, he says it right to Max, and he's having a close encounter with Max every day. Yeah. yeah. Max is like, I don't know what you're talking about, buddy. <laughs> who knows? And then we go to the sheriff's department, where the sheriff is grilling yes. Rocky Calhoun. And as always, the sheriff is just unnecessarily sinister in everything he does. I also feel like they kind of establish Rocky Calhoun as a somewhat credible witness mm -hmm. because he is saying, like, I know how crazy this sounds. You know, like, I don't usually report things. I wouldn't say this kind of thing, which I think makes him sound credible. Mm -hmm. Also added to his credibility is the fact that he's played by Tom McLeister, or McLeister, who is in two episodes of the television program Angel. Ooh. He, although he's not a likable character in that. Um, so he plays, his official character is called The Host's Elder. It's Lauren's parent. It's in the episodes where they go oh. to Pylea, and I won't say more about mm -hmm. it in case people haven't seen it. But look into those episodes, specifically the episode There's No oh Place God. Like Plurts Glurb. And you can <laughs> you can see Tom McLeister under a bunch of uh, green makeup. Wow, cool. I had no idea. Thank you for looking that up. Oh, you know that's all I do in my spare time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Rocky suggests that maybe what he saw was just dry lightning, which is a common thing that people mistake for UFOs. But then when the sheriff shuts off the recorder, he's like, all right, so here's the thing. I saw this white hot light, kind of like an X-ray, to which I say, how do they do X-rays in Roswell? Because if you're seeing a white hot light while you are being X-rayed, you're 
no that's medical malpractice that's not how x-rays work something is wrong no i've had a lot of x-rays and i have never once seen a bright white light is he dying what's going on i was assuming he meant like the light of when they're like focusing the thing before they go take the x-ray which is white but it's kind of just like any white light yeah so i looked this up because i was like maybe it's like an uh, an astronomy thing and there are x-ray stars or x-ray star systems please don't at me if you're an astronomer or do because that sounds like a fun conversation but like i yeah please add us doesn't seem like there's a thing where x-rays suddenly become visible hot white lights so this seemed weird but it sounds fancy yeah so and then uh we head to school where Mm -hmm. maria is sporting a lovely new aqua bra, which is mm-hmm. something that I sported at that age as well. Really? Uh, please go on. <laughs> I definitely also owned an aqua bra at that age when I was in high school and uh, definitely wore it and uh, felt confident in my larger breastuses at that age. Nice. And did you find it, as Maria said, to be all the fun of implants except without the invasive surgery part? Sure. I guess so. <laughs> I wouldn't say all the fun of implants because part of the fun of implants is like touching them out when mm. when they're naked. Yeah. So I yeah. wondered about this. Like, I guess maybe she's just not going to get to that point with these boys who are interested with in her on dates but like um yeah and i guess if you're like a 16 year old boy and you're with a girl and you take off her aqua bra you're not gonna be like these boobs are smaller than i thought i'm leaving you're just gonna be like boobies oh my god oh my god it's boobies oh my god oh my god oh my god (laughs) right i assume i don't know i've never been a 16 year old boy someone can tell me or a 16 year old girl isabel would be super cool about the aqua bra i feel confident in this maria yeah, oh, totally. She would be so polite and just, like, wouldn't even say anything about it. They're so great together. It started with fear. How did we end up here? When the woman of your dreams is now the woman in your dreams. When it needs a homo. I do think that this is the episode, actually, that should have been called Male Gaze. Just judging from this scene. I think there can be multiple contenders for the Male Gaze (laughs) Awards, which we can distribute at the end of every season. That's not a bad idea. This is an official nominee. Um, Speaking of gay stuff, Max and Michael are going into the eraser room together. I was very excited for 0.5 seconds. I did love Maria's line. No wonder he couldn't make a commitment. (laughs) (laughs) Like, because he's gay? Is that what she's implying? Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Because he's making out with his brother figure. Okay. (laughs) Also questionable is Alex implying that he's good at dodgeball. Okay. Yeah, I didn't quite get that. Yeah. Um, But also... The extras in this whole scene are very extra. There's this one guy, I think the last one that we see, this one guy, he just walks by with his jaw dropped, just like staring. 
I mean, it's like they really <laughs> overdid it. Yeah. And also, like, every single male extra looks at Maria's chest and none of the female extras do. Like, okay, is everyone in no, this school just 100% straight? Because I don't think that's how high schools work. I mean, I was about to say I definitely would have been looking at some boobs in high school, but I also am gay. So, um, I mean, I didn't know it at that age, but I probably definitely still looked at boobs. I looked at boobs in high school. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, even if it's like, I wish I had boobs like that. Yeah. Right. I think regardless, if someone shows up three cup sizes larger than they were yesterday, you're going to be like, well, that's interesting. With a very tight turtleneck. Yeah. Uh, And this is where we first get introduced to the idea of a father's weekend camping trip, which I think is such BS. This is the freaking patriarchy again. Why is it only the fathers? Why can't it be a parent's camping weekend or a caregiver's camping weekend or just a camping weekend where whoever wants to go camping can just go camping and you have to bring someone who can look after you. Family camping weekend. Yeah. Bring a sibling or just come alone and hang out. Yeah, just get chaperones. It's fine. That's how field trips work. Also, passing out these flyers is going to change Alex's P.E. grade? I don't know. What does this trip even have to do with P.E.? I guess because the coach is organizing it. The creepy coach. Sounds like the coach using a student to do his work. Yep, pretty much. This is the same coach who later is going to be a little too enthusiastic about sharing a tent with Kyle. So... bunking together. Yeah. Yeah, ew. Um, I also want to point out we have... Our third laugh mm. of the episode in this scene. Wow. When uh, when Liz offers for Alex to try on the aqua bra. Um, Liz kind of laughs a little bit, but then really it's Maria who laughs. But I don't think Mahandra Delfino actually laughed in this scene. I think they added it afterward. It was probably some ADR. Mm. What's ADR? Oh, additional dialogue recording. So you notice this a lot in TV shows and movies. Whenever you see, you either see people walking away so you don't see their faces or maybe you do see their faces and it doesn't quite match up with whatever dialogue is happening. Um, That's usually recorded afterwards in a studio and it's either where they're like, oh shoot, we need a better transition from this scene to the next one. Can you say a line and we'll just make it look like you said it as you were walking away? Or maybe they wanted this laugh here and the one that Mahandra Delfino delivered on the day of was like not laughy enough, whatever. They'll add it in afterwards in ADR. Industry term. That's totally what they did. And also, I think that that's what the first laugh was too. But you couldn't see her face, like I said. In this one, you can totally see her face. And, like, she's smiling. So, like, sure, a laugh could come out of there. But it it really did not look like she laughed. But I'm still counting it because that is meant to be a laugh from Maria. So that is our third and, I believe, final uh, laugh of the episode. It's all downhill from here. Even at three laughs, I feel like this is the most laugh-filled episode we've had so far. Totally. Then. I don't think we've had one with three yet. It's the big times, folks. Okay, and then Isabel shows up, and she's looking kind of edgy. She's, like, wearing all black. She's got the leather jacket. She has two unfortunate tiny braids by the side (laughs) of her face. And Alex is like, so you're an alien! And she's like, dude, come on. And he wants to take her to a Fellini uh, retrospective. And she's like, no. And he's like, okay, yeah, that's fine. She's like, so let's go see a regular movie. And he's like, wow, yep, totally. Cool. I thought that was a really cute 
uh, response on her part. Because, like, she's being honest. Like, no, I'm not into that. But, you know, but that doesn't mean she doesn't want to hang out. She's just not into that film festival. Yeah. And she is distracted during their conversation because she also has an appointment in the eraser room, which now is like a supply closet. Although when Max and Liz were there spying on Topolsky, it was this big old room. And it was like upstairs because they were looking down into Topolsky's Mm -hmm. office, unless Topolsky's office is in the basement. They've gone through the same wormhole that the Valenti compound goes through episode to episode. Is this surprising, though? No. No, it is not. No. And we find out the sheriff has closed off a four-square-mile area of the forest near the Indian Reservation, which seems way, 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 way outside of his legal authority. But when has that ever stopped him before? It hasn't. And this is also, like, the first time where... So we Maria doesn't have a father in the picture. Michael doesn't have any parents in the picture. And so they're talking about, like, oh, maybe the camping trip could be our inn to look for this UFO. And at no point are Max and Isabel like, hey, Michael, why don't you come with us and our dad on this camping trip? He's just like, well, I don't have a dad, so I don't go. And they're like, okay. Yeah, I felt like this was a dick move, especially on Max's part, because he's the one who's like, well, it's a father thing. (laughs) <laughs> dot 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 but, yeah like, so obviously you can't go is the implication there not like why don't you come along with our family like but i mean you did say for your new, new year's resolution lisa for max that you wanted him to be less dickish he's not starting off very well he's no, not, not no nope, maybe february will be his month i like michael's shirt in this scene it's like a faded tea with like a forest scene and a deer on it did anyone see that and then no, i couldn't I did catch not. what it said it said like california or colorado or canada i think it's a like colorado that. oh yeah okay then it was- yeah it was cute he has a couple cute outfits in this episode and i wonder if they're yeah, all supposed he wears to be like a nice sweater again yeah he wears an argyle sweater later it's great but I wonder if they're all supposed to be like hand-me-downs or like things he buys at oh, Goodwill yeah. or thrift stores. I don't know. Like, does he pick out any of these things or are they just things that come to him because they're cheap? I don't know. Mm. That's a good point. But this sad conversation about fathers leads us to an even sadder scene where we again see Michael's foster Ugh. father, who's like a cartoon character, pretty much, is what he is. Yeah. And then we head to Liz's room for my least favorite part of the episode, where Liz's dad walks into the room without knocking, and we and Liz's dad see her in her bra, which is completely unnecessary for the plot of the rest of the episode in general to see her in her bra, and especially for her father figure to see her in her bra. It's all unnecessary. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't like it. To his credit, I think he did knock, or at least he was like, Lizzie? But he didn't really wait for a response before entering. So, like, yeah, kind of defeats like the, the purpose. Yeah, I think he says, I should have knocked. And I'm like, yeah, Jeff, yeah. you should have knocked, but you didn't. And now this is what we all have to deal with. But in general, this is a virtual world that some men wrote. And those men wrote for this to happen. Mm-hmm. It didn't need to happen. It makes me mad. Yeah. Something else that he does that pisses me off in this scene is when she says, like, you know, he's he's talking about, oh, maybe I can meet your friends, like, 
what is it max and isabel and the one with the hair which that was funny um yeah and then she's like oh like i don't think they're they're going and he says i guess some fathers just aren't as involved yeah which is not rude not that is really rude you don't know why they're not going also like this trip is taking place in a place that's not really accessible to everyone if someone has a you know a disability or like a motor impairment so just shut up don't assume things like that also he's saying he's so involved didn't he just like leave on a stargazing trip and leave his <laughs> child in charge of his business for an extended period of time yeah. he's so involved yeah liz just manages their restaurant for them when they're off looking for venus so whatever mm-hmm. but also like when Jeff says he wants to get to know Max, this would have been an opportunity for Liz to be like, oh, I know Milton said that, but we're not actually boyfriend and girlfriend. Or like, yeah, I know him, but we're not together. And instead, she's just like, mm-hmm, okay. Like, she doesn't talk to Jeff. I mean, like, all, yeah. so many of these issues could be avoided if you were just like, hey, dad, here's what I'm feeling and here's what I want. Although apparently I'm too hard on 16-year-olds. I have heard. Whatever. <laughs> it's fine. Um, so is this, this is when like the math thing happens between well, Liz and Maria? First, we go to Michael's trailer to meet his okay. uh, yes. cartoon yes. character, foster father, Hank, who when Michael says there is no milk, immediately responds, use beer, which ugh, sounds disgusting, as well as yeah. being like very irresponsible and something that should immediately have your foster child taken away from you. Yep. And then River Dog's there. For reasons. Michael's real dad, according to Michael. Oh my god, poor Michael. Yeah. But there's this weird thing where, like, Michael sees Riverdog, and then Riverdog acts like he's about to leave, and then Michael's like, wait, and he's like, oh, yeah, 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 the sighting's real, I've seen it before. Which I guess was the 1947 crash that was more than 50 years ago at this point, so he would have been a kid presumably yeah well we've already established that he was a kid when like does he say he was a kid or he was a teenager when he encountered Nacero? so he would have been a little kid during the crash yeah although we haven't really established like how long ago that was with Nacero. like he he just said it was a while ago but i don't know if we said it was like right after the crash or just at some point in the intervening years did we Assumably, it's uh, it is before or around 1959 because we know that's when the photograph of the dead person with the silver oh, handprint yep. sure. that uh, Jim Valenti has is from 1959 when that person died, and then that also is assumably when Nacero disappeared. Right. Good point. Um. So it has to be sometime between 1947 and 1959. Good sleuthing. Thanks. <laughs> It's almost like I've seen this series more than once. (laughs) Almost. So this is where we go to the crash down and where we have our second shot of Maria in a bra as she is adjusting the filling in her aqua bra. (laughs) The aqua part of the bra. Cool. Yeah. The jelly part. And so this is where Liz is trying to convince Maria to go on the camping trip. And Maria says, my idea of the great outdoors is rolling the windows down in my car on the way to the mall, which is adorable and seems very on point for Maria. And she has no qualms with that. She like isn't trying to pretend she's outdoorsy or anything to impress anyone. She's just like, nope, 
I like going to the mall. Yeah, no, I yep, not my I deal. hardcore agree with Marie. I mean, I don't like the mall, but like my idea of camping is when we have to <laughs> stay at a chain hotel. Ugh, shudder, shudder, shudder. <laughs> I like camping. I don't do it very often, but when I do, I always have fun. It's very, um, yeah, I don't know. It's like a little too outside for my taste. It's dirty out there. I went camping for two <laughs> weeks every summer with my family when I was a kid. I, I'm done. I've done enough camping for the rest of my life. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm good with like a week max. Yeah, we d- we really, I mean, we roughed it. We would go to a different place every time. It was, you know, it's like an affordable family vacation because um, campsites are cheaper than hotels. And mm-hmm, yeah. Um, yeah, so a lot of good memories, but just uh, it's so much work to like set up the campsite, lug everything in there. And then like, it's just, it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My mom used to tell me about when she was a kid and they would go camping. So it was two parents four children and at least one dog depending on the time of her childhood and they would go on these like extended camping trips and I was just like well that sounds terrible and she was like yeah yeah I mean we all hated each other you know <laughs> I was like yeah, but seems like what would happen yeah. camping is just a recipe for hating each other and nature yeah I'm sure my sister and I had like an invisible line down the middle of the tent that I wasn't allowed to cross I'm sure we had mm-hmm. that at some point mm-hmm um so speaking of things we don't like liz's line here about her father i love him but in the normal father role which is like five minutes at a time just a few times a day ah, yikes i this no i don't think so i don't think this is no yeah i mean don't care for it it's it's kind of sad that's not that would be not the best relationship between a father and daughter. Yeah. I feel like that's pretty standard, though, for a lot of people, or people feel like that's typical. You know, the dad works, in theory, the dad works long hours while the mom is raising the kids, and, you know, the dad is not really, really involved in the kid's life, because he's working. Yeah, which so is... you read this as, like, a heteronormative thing? Because I read it as, like, a mm. both of Liz's parents are just garbage and they're always away type of thing. Because, like, okay, maybe she interacts with her dad five minutes at a time, but, like, she interacts with her mom even less. the same amount, if not less. Even less. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From what we see in the, you know, 45 minutes of their life that we get to see once well, a week. Well, right, but it seems like Liz wakes up goes to school, doesn't have any homework, works at the crash down, writes in her diary for 12 hours, goes to sleep. Maybe makes out with Max a little bit in between. Yeah, pretty much. That sounds about right. Not a lot of quality parent time in there. So now can I talk about the math line? Because yes, they they do this cute back and forth, like 100 or 50, 100, 75. 6250. And and I love Mahandra's delivery of this how do you do that so fast line cuz she's not just like how do you do that so fast? She's like how do you do that so fast? I just I ah. love I just love and have always loved the delivery of that line. It's cute. Yes. Yeah, it's very cute. And then like the thing so she says how do you do that so fast? And it's not like she's not accepting the deal, but then Liz continues to like yeah. sweeten the pot by yes. offering to do her homework for Liz her. Liz is a terrible she, negotiator. Like, offer to tutor her. Yeah. yeah. Liz is like yeah. 
I have won this negotiation. I will do your homework for you. Is that cool? Do you want me to do some laundry? Should I just like come over and rub your feet? Would that be fine? Okay, cool. Yay. Negotiating. Don't send this girl to Vegas. Oh my God, no. (laughs) And then poor Jeff. I understand where Jeff is coming from. He sees Maria giving Liz this big old bag of pills. And then he sees Liz giving Maria money. And it's like very understandable. It really does look like a drug deal. That's what, and then, oh, and then as Liz is walking away, she wipes her nose like she's just been snorting something. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, because she has a cold. Right. So but like, she's got the sniffles. She's sneezing. Of course, from the outsider's perspective, it looks like, yes. thank you for the drugs. I really enjoyed the ones that we just crushed up and snorted. Right. Like pills, money, yeah. sniffling. Pretty much. Doesn't yeah. look good. No, it doesn't. And then we head back to the sheriff's office. Yeah. Where where uh, Rocky is now negotiating with Dateline. I did notice uh, the fake map they had on the wall of the Roswell area where it said Mesalico tribe, which is, as if you listened to our past episodes, not a real tribe. But great work, prop guys or gals or yeah. non-binary folks. Mm-hmm. Way to go. And this is really sad because Kyle is there waiting for his dad this deputy is like bringing him root beer and it seems like this is a thing they do like this happens frequently kyle's there waiting for his dad it's probably been happening since kyle was a little kid and he really like was excited about the root beer but also super sad that Mm -hmm. his dad was ignoring him i was wondering here if the mom whose name i forget left because jim was so obsessed with his work or this alien hunt but then like why isn't she in Kyle's life? So I think he wasn't obsessed with the alien hunt before the storyline of this show. Because mm. my understanding is that, like, he, you know, was annoyed with his dad and thought his dad was, you know, kind of crazy, quote unquote, like everybody mm-hmm. else did until, you know, until he had something happen where he's getting reports of, you know, a girl being shot and then being healed. So I don't know why... Kyle's mom isn't in the picture, but I don't think that's it. I think he still could have been obsessed with his work. Probably he was, like, obsessed with his work, and this happened, and now he's obsessed with his work plus this. And so it's just, like, even yeah. more for Kyle to deal with on his own. Mm-hmm. Because we do, we, I don't know what happens later in the series, but we so far haven't heard anything from or about the mom other than that one mention when... <sighs> Jim and Amy were on their date. Boo. There are two minutes of a date before Jim left her, with uh-huh. the, presumably with yeah. the, the bill. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Hopefully that was their only date. Well, so I do think it's kind of weird, like when when he does tell Kyle, like, "Oh, I have this, you know, important thing," and he says, um, "I can't have anyone else find this, like, find out first." Mm-hmm. When it's like. Why? Mm-hmm. Well, so he doesn't want yeah. Agent Stevens, who's played by what's his name, Toby from the yep. West Wing, uh, has called. And so he's going to send his, as Jim Valenti says, his Phoebe goons, which is adorable. He <laughs> wants to get there before they send the Phoebe FBI goons out there, which I appreciated. I also had a question because the sheriff said that Rocky sold his story to the Roswell Gazette and then it was picked up by USA Today and now he's doing a Dateline thing. Um, So I like don't know that much about journalistic ethics, but I don't think a small local newspaper like the Roswell Gazette is going to 
buy a story off of someone that seems like a tabloid thing yeah or like a 60 minutes buying the exclusive rights to an interview sort of thing but like i don't think any newspapers of repute are buying stories from people that seems unethical journalists let us know i mean paying sources do journalists pay sources also i think that's a no-no isn't it i don't know yeah i don't know either yeah I mean, detectives pay sources, right? Do they? I don't know. They do in TV shows. <laughs> or you like, get your CI $20 to buy some Burger King. I don't know. Knowing a lot of people who work for uh, police departments, no one ever has any money. So I don't know where they're getting this cash from Yeah. on Law & Order. I mean, they save it from, like, the other drug busts and stuff, right? Don't they, like, just then they keep that money so they can use it to pay out sources? That's not how the law works. You have to put that in evidence. You can't just take the money and be like, we'll just do other things with this. It's ours now. Okay. Anyway. It's it's not that people don't do that, though. They're just Mm. very much not supposed to. Very much not supposed to, And I think when they take it, I don't think it's for uh, personal, I mean, I don't think it's for police-related matters that they're going to use it. Yeah, I don't think they put it in the log as, like, CI money. Yeah, just, like, it goes right so. in the packet. Yeah. Let's hope no one's doing that. Everyone's doing it. Okay. Um. So this scene is also, it's just so sad. Kyle says that fa- this Father's Camping Weekend is the only two days in a row we spend together all year. And yet, yeah. Jim has forgotten that they've made these plans to get a tent during Kyle's free period. So Kyle seems to only have one parent, and that parent isn't even remotely fully engaged with him. He isn't even reminded yeah. that they had plans when he sees Kyle in his office. He's like, oh, shouldn't you be He's like, school? what are you doing here? <laughs> Aww. And then the sheriff is just like, son... Why don't you go on this father-son camping trip alone? I'll make sure that the super creepy coach looks after you. Why wouldn't Kyle just stay home? Yeah. He's old enough. This is weird. And he says, Valenti says something about, like, I can't go. And Kyle says, you can't go or you won't. Yeah. And that just made me so sad. But, like, fair point. Good for you, Kyle, being like, no, I'm not just going to accept this. I was happy Kyle stood up for himself. I thought that that can't or won't line was about him saying, like, I can't let anyone find it first. It was, yeah. Sorry. Whatever, I'm still proud of Kyle. So is this then when we go to the crashdown and we have the Czechoslovakians Mm -hmm. sitting at a table all loudly talking about their alien-related things? Yep. Yes. We're like, there's no consistency. Isabel just got mad at Alex for saying the word alien in the hallway and now they're in public talking about it right so michael is convinced that river dog is the fourth alien because he knows so much about them and wants to help them and i think this is because he doesn't understand that he's in a television show and river dog is just fulfilling the stereotype of the magical indian so sorry michael just a stereotype not a real character yeah he probably just you know doesn't know of this trope yet yeah, it's a bummer for yeah. everyone. Um, I don't blame Michael for this theory. I mean, I like... No, it's so sweet and sad. Yeah, it, it makes sense. And like, a part of him is hopeful about finding his father. You know, mm-hmm. this episode is ultimately about father relationships. And if not called male gaze, it should have been called, who's your daddy? No, no, I hate it. <laughs> Veto. <laughs> it just makes me think of Keith Mars. 
Okay, I cannot. Oh. Every time I get to the end of the VMI podcast, I'm like, no, I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> it's so gross to me. If you have a daddy fetish, cool, that's your business. I don't ever want to hear about it. Oh, you no, I you, only like it in and the then Keith Mars way, where it's like not a fetish at all and just kind of taking something and making it taking something that's not innocent and making it just so totally innocent because he's really just being like I'm your dad nope nope I will never like it agree to disagree I'm glad you do (laughs) any hoozles so so my main takeaway from this scene is that Isabel is backlit like an angel or a saint or something. There's this light like right behind her. Her hair is like, gl- it's like glowing through her hair. She looks like an angel. Okay, but are we sure That's that this all. is a lighting choice and not just how Katherine Heigl looks naturally? That's also we can't possible. Be sure. I mean, she could just be an angel. I think we should consider it. Yeah. I think that's a really mm-hmm. good point. And so Michael here is like a little bit mean and just dismissing their dad. I mean, like, well, he's not really your dad, so whatever. But it's kind of understandable, especially given like what we've just seen from his father and yeah. how Max and Isabel apparently don't include him in their family, even though their situation is infinitely better than his. And they know that. Also, this is where he's wearing that Argyle sweater that we mentioned, and he looks super cute in it. Yes, I like it. It's like good colors on him. It's like nice and fuzzy. Like you just want to get a nice warm hug from him while yeah, wearing it. Yeah, Michael's just been looking super huggable lately. Yeah, I would mm-hmm. cuddle it. Yeah, <laughs> totes. And then we get Alex twice in one monologue conversation referring to himself as Alex Charles Whitman. He's full naming himself <laughs> because he's so excited yes. Drinking out of a curly straw, could he be any cuter? Yeah. Talking about himself in the third person, (laughs) which is then a great setup for um, Liz saying uh, that he's, uh, his schizophrenia is showing. Yeah, I don't like that. I think she could have just said something about him being paranoid, but like the paranoid schizophrenia line, I'm like, why? That's not what's happening that's a real thing and it's not this and it's serious and important don't do that it's a it's a very difficult thing to live with that maybe shouldn't be joked about yeah mental illness isn't a joke he yeah he for sure is being paranoid like suddenly thinking the whole thing is a joke and that his two best friends are in on it but it's kind of sweet because it's just like he knows isabella is out of his league and so he's like wait how could my life possibly be this good which leads me into uh, the next point which is that Maria who refers to the aliens as Czechoslovakians is convinced Liz is going to get her heart broken again and during this whole conversation about Max in the original we have Vertical Horizons Everything You Want playing yes which is like the perfect song for this and unfortunately is replaced by Athenium's Banana. Okay. So that's the music choice that they made. So while this scene was going on in my head, I was just like, I would recommend watching this scene again with that song playing. It's just playing very loudly in my head right now. Yes, as it should be from your speakers. 
but alas she is nothing to you and you don't know why stop i'm gonna cry <laughs> and then we go to this weird plan of maria's to convince max that liz has moved on where she lies about having big weekend dates with college guys who are taking them to an expensive dinner but, like, they don't actually know that the Evanses aren't going on the camping trip. This plan has such a high chance of backfiring. It is. a. It's bad for that reason. It's also bad because, like, it's not cool for Maria to just, like, decide to lie to Liz's ex about her. You know, like, let mm-hmm. Liz decide how she's going to handle that ex relationship. Also, she says that they're college guys that they met over winter break. When was winter break? We didn't see it. Between the last episode and this okay. episode. Yeah. I think Maria is also, like, just as much as she's lying to Max about Liz, she's lying to Michael about herself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There are some very pointed glances. Right. Yeah, she's clearly lying about both of them, but, like, without Liz's permission. Yes. Yeah. And we immediately know that they're going, we already knew they were talking about going on the camping trip, but we know that they're definitely going because Isabel tells Alex, she has to cancel their date, mm-hmm. and Alex is like, oh yeah, me too, I had to cancel our date too, I also can't go because I'm doing, what did you say you were doing? I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> also me, that thing. I'm doing the same thing. Exactly. That was exactly how it went. I can't believe you memorized all those lines. <laughs> <laughs> and then we cut to the school bus, mm-hmm. and we're getting ready for the camping trip. At which point, I'm not always the most observant person, but there is a major timeline issue here. Because in an earlier scene, they have said that the bus is leaving at 5 o'clock on Friday, which is more or less right after school ends, Mm -hmm. unless it was a half day or a day off. However, right before they leave on the bus at 5 o'clock, they are all at the crashdown. Liz and Maria are working. And everyone else is eating there. So were they all working and eating during school hours? Why weren't they in school on Friday afternoon before the bus left at five o'clock? So I do feel like there is enough time for them to have gone to the crash down. Like my high school, I think, ended the day on Friday at 2.20 p.m. So that's plenty of time, but not enough for a shift at a restaurant. Yeah, like, that's fine to go there and get a snack, but, like, for the people working that, like, they're just going to run and work for two hours? I kind of thought that this was two different days. Like, the stuff that we saw was Thursday and the next day, Friday, we didn't really see anything and then they went. But it's also extremely possible that they just travel through a wormhole because we know that those exist in Roswell. Mm -hmm. That's how they they get from place to place without any time passing. They wouldn't have been able to get to uh, Marathon, Texas without it. Don't even get me started. (laughs) (laughs) So this scene in the parking lot, oh my gosh, Alex and his dad shake hands to say hello. And Alex is like, I'm glad you could make it on such short notice. Like he's invited him to a business meeting. Yeah. Oh, buddy. Oh, that made me so sad when they shook hands. Like, do you, have you ever met this I man before? I thought they just were both so nerdy. I definitely know mm, father's sons who shake hands. Oh, and it's I don't. generally not indicative of, like, a close relationship. Right. I think it would have made more sense if Mr. Whitman had been of the type that we see in the books, where he's a military man, and so it's a formal relationship. This Mr. Whitman seems no. real uncomfortable with everything and just yeah. super awkward and, like, an academic. 
Definitely not a military man. Yeah. No. So it's kind of like when you see all the different dynamics between the fathers and their kids, it's all of them are kind of a bummer. So like Max and Isabel are just using their dad for cover to check out the UFO. Their dad seems kind of indifferent to the whole thing. He's like, oh, I didn't know you were into this, whatever. Also, who's that guy that they're calling dad? (laughs) Oh, he was on a business trip. So you haven't met him before, but he's back now. And a completely different actor. Oh, is he? Yeah, so we have seen their dad once before in the morning after, and it was a totally different actor. So he got plastic surgery while he was on his (laughs) business trip. It was a euphemism. Business trip is a euphemism for facial (laughs) reconstructive surgery. Yeah, yeah, that works. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I... I was trying to look up online, like, why they switched actors, and I couldn't find anything about it, so I put it to a Roswell group on Facebook and pretty much just got the answer that, like, this guy got a better deal on The West Wing, the first actor. So now they have this one, who I like so much more anyway. So he's hanging out with Agent Stevens, is what you're telling us. Yes. (laughs) So Liz is going kind of begrudgingly and like literally paying Maria to go along so that she doesn't have to spend time alone with her father, which is a huge bummer, especially because her dad is really interested. He wants to go. He wants to bond. He wants to tell them drugs are bad for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Alex Mm -hmm. has roped his dad in at the last minute to get closer to a girl he likes. His dad, as I said, seems deeply uncomfortable with this. Michael is dadless and therefore excluded. And then Kyle. Kyle desperately wants to spend time with his dad and his dad is like i'm not coming have fun with creepy coach guy oh look at me i'm here but i'm gonna be working all weekend okay cool and it's so sad for everyone did anyone notice also that um kyle was wearing a huge backpack with like a lot of things on it (laughs) sheriff shows up with his backpack like slung over one shoulder so clearly not that heavy tosses a tent to kyle who is like audibly like ugh and then <laughs> yeah. walks away and, and makes Kyle carry the tent along with his humongous backpack. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty yep. rude. Parenting. That's what sons are for, right? To haul shit around for I you. I wouldn't know. I don't have one. But maybe I'll find out someday. Me neither. Okay, I want to talk about everyone's looks because Isabel is very cute. She has this, like, white sweater and she's got a bandana in her hair. But, like, her braids are being held together by mini clips. No, that's not I, how those work. Or I are they just that it like, like garnishes? It's not, yeah. When I looked more closely, it looked like it was those hair elastics that have like big beads on them. The little bobbles. Um, yeah. And they oh. were just like these kind of see-through plastic beads. So if you look more closely, because I also thought that they were clips, but they're not. Yeah, that's what they look like. But regardless, if you turn your head too fast, those things are smacking you in the face. Oh, for sure. I know this from experience. Mm -hmm. But also Mm -hmm. they can be used as self-defense. If someone comes too close to you, just Mm -hmm. wave your head around, you know, smack them. Well, and maybe she's just following a trend because she tells their dad that's their new policy. We're joiners, right, Max? And Max is like, uh, joiners? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. And then, oh my, y'all, can we talk about Maria? Because she's wearing this, like, long, whitish, embroidered coat and these gigantic white fuzzy boots. And Maria <laughs> yes. is carrying a guitar case? Is there a guitar in there? Is this just her luggage? Like, what? Maybe she's going to play yeah, some campfire that's what songs. I thought. 
it made me it endeared me to her because it's like ooh maria plays yeah. music she's like oh we're going camping there's gonna be a campfire we have, have a to guitar, like sing campfire kumbaya. songs i'll bring my guitar it feels like someone yeah. just like bought the bohemian hippie starter kit and they just threw it at her and they're like whatever <laughs> it doesn't matter yeah sounds about right i mean maybe she just borrowed the kit from her mom maybe who definitely has that kit yeah for sure and so we do find out in this scene that Jeff and Jim seem to know each other, which makes sense because Liz and Kyle had dated. And Jeff tells Jim he's lucky he has a boy. I'm like, whatever, dude. You're... Mm, mm, yeah. I don't like it. And, like, Jim doesn't even care about this at all. So he's just like, okay, yeah, yeah boys, what, I don't know. Is that is that the gender of my child? I don't know. I haven't talked to him. Boy, I, I have a son? <laughs> and then Alex's dad still is just super jumpy. He seems like he's like never interacted with a tree before <laughs> and maybe doesn't ever know where he is in time or space. So good luck. And we lay the seeds here for Jim, like following the Evanses around. Like that's why he's going on the trip because he wants to catch them at their shenanigans that are UFO related. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so even though Kyle found a good place for them to set up their tents, he's like, oh, yeah. no, uh, I need reception. Yeah, better cell reception. Let's go over here right next to the Evanses. Right. Oh, look, perfect cell reception now. Let's stay here. Yeah, yeah. Kyle's like, let's hang out. I'm going to eat so many bratwurst. It'll be great. And Jim's like, oh, my God, shut up. Let's go hang out with these teenagers. I like them better. Look, I my know. phone works. Cool. So sad. And, like, Kyle was so willing to forgive his dad for, you know, forgetting about the tent thing and for not, for saying he wasn't going to come on the trip. You know, he's just like, okay, like, I'm going to eat bratwurst. And still his dad's just being mean. Yeah. And then Kyle does this really cute thing where he, like, claps a little bit and he's like, focus, son. And in my notes I wrote, this is slightly funny and massively sad. Mm-hmm. Because Kyle's Mm -hmm. pointing to himself, being like, pay attention to me. And Jim is like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go over there. It's a bummer. And then we cut to the campfire, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Where Maria is not singing Kumbaya with her guitar, but um, Kyle is telling a nice alien ghost (laughs) story. Who is Kyle's story about? Did y'all catch this? No. No. So, okay. Kyle is telling a story about a woman who is named Hattie Wexler. The actor who plays Kyle is named Vic Wexler. Yeah. Oh. Oh. It's a fun little cute moment where they're like calling out the actor. Oh, that's cute. I did not catch that. I thought it was adorable. It's much cuter than Max, who's playing poker with Liz's dad and Alex's dad. Yeah. And I don't think we see anyone else. This is weird. That's a weird thing to do. It is very weird that it's Max playing with the adults. But, like, it's not even his dad. His dad wasn't there? I didn't see him. I don't know. This I was very bored by this, so maybe I missed it. I think there were three dads because... Yeah, yeah I Because so at one too. point, Liz's dad... Because Liz's dad said, like, how do you... Like, do you have some power over them or something? So there were two other people. Okay. So I will fully admit that I have a very difficult time telling white men apart. <laughs> I have white male face blindness, so it's possible 
that they showed all three of these men and I only saw two of them because they just look the same. Yeah, I think all three of them were I there. I think his own dad folds right away. Oh, maybe that's and then why. His his dad folds first, and then Alex's dad also folds, and then Liz's dad is like, Ugh, blah 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 blah. And then Max lets him win by using his powers to change his cards. Right, like someone's gonna notice this at some point because they're gonna have when the wrong an extra type two of in the deck. Right, and also like there are all these lines that are supposed to have double meanings, and I was just like, okay, whatever. This is very heavy-handed, and like, what does Max think if he beats? Jeff at poker, Jeff will be like, you're an alien. Like, wow. Also, what if, I forget which cards, like what he turned one of those cards into, but like, what if someone else had that card in their hand? Mm -hmm. And they would have been like, wait, what's, something's up with this deck. Why are there two twos of spades? Exactly. So we go to a much better scene where we find out why... Alex and Isabel Shippers are called stargazers. Oh, oh, I didn't. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, that's their ship name. Oh, Stargazer is very adorable. I like it. Yeah. And Isabel is pointing at Orion, which hard related. It's literally the only constellation I can ever find in the night sky. Oh, yep. Same. Same. Well, I guess hard, I can same. find the Big Dipper, but it's always Orion. All right. You don't need to brag, Aliza. <laughs> Um, Isabel points out the Milky Way, and I was confused by this because I was like, hey, we're inside of that. So I looked it up. Um, She's probably referring... You can see it in certain places. So when people say they see it, they mean the core of the galaxy, and that Mm -hmm. is located in the constellation Sagittarius. It's the brightest part of the Milky Way, and Mm -hmm. it has a high concentration of dust lanes, nebulas, and star clusters. So there you go. Mm. All right. Astronomy fun facts. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like growing up in California, you could see it some nights um, like as a kind of like a big line yeah. through the sky, like, but not when you look directly at it. Like you have to look sort of next to where it is and then you can see this sort of glow of a line yeah. okay. that is like the distant reaches of the um like arm of the galaxy and it's really you know bajillions and billions of stars all together but they're so far away you just sort of see it as a vague glow if you don't look directly at it that's how i've seen it i didn't know she also mentioned cygnus which is a swan constellation Ooh, very pretty i've never seen that one but they make that noise that goes so you know sorry ashley There is a really cute exchange where stars now have extra meaning for Alex because of Isabel, because any yeah. one of them could be her home. It's really sweet. He says it's so wondrous. Yeah. Each star is a mystery, so full of possibility. Oh, buddy. He's so in love. Yeah, it's so sweet. I love this whole scene, even though then it gets sad when she's like, this can't ever be anything, Alex. Like. Yeah, and she's not saying, like, I don't like you that way. She's like, right. whether I do or not is irrelevant. Like, you should know we can't do this. Okay, so as we have established, I'm not a camper. When you go to campsites, are there just, like, spigots yeah. sticking out of the... Oh, okay, yes. that's a thing. Yeah, it depends right. on the campsite. Some yeah. will have, like, one centralized spigot, so you have to, like, fill up your own thing and bring it to your campsite. But then there's some where each individual campsite has one. This all sounds terrible. Yep. I'm not going camping ever. <laughs> I mean, it's better than one without running water. I yeah. no, I don't care to consider that possibility. <laughs> then you have to brush your teeth with the river water. <laughs> I don't 
don't think so. Or just use gum. Or use chewing gum as a, yeah, use some chewing gum as a dental hygiene alternative. No, Liz has told me that that's not a thing and she's a scientist, so I believe her. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Gotcha. She also points out to Max that he has been making, like, zero effort because he's like, oh, I didn't want us to screech to a halt. I just thought we should slow down. And all of us are like, ah, may I direct you to the last several episodes of this television program? Right. Where you said this can't be a thing. We can't be together. You didn't say let's take it slow. You said we can't be together, motherfucker. (laughs) Like. (laughs) You tell him, Lorena. So then we go, we have a very quick little scene at Michael's trailer where Riverdog just like opens the front door and Michael is sleeping there, even though we've previously established that Michael has his own bedroom. Now he just sleeps right next to the door. It's fine. And Riverdog's like, time to go. Oh, this is weird. And then we go to the tent where Jeff is just like rifling through Liz's stuff, looking for drugs. Mm hmm. And Liz has enough pills to keep her cold free for years on end. Yeah. Yes. Well, she's taking four of them a day, but I think she still has a month's supply at least. least. Okay. So I need to Google echinacea, and I'll put this in the show notes, I guess, because I don't think this is a thing. If you're already getting sick, just like eating a bunch of vitamin C or taking those airborne things or the echinacea, like... There is some some relief that you get from psychosomatic effects, but like, no, that's not actually going to prevent a virus from infecting your body. That's no, not, not if how science there. works. Scientist Liz. And Jeff is really sad. He says, I didn't know what to think. You're so grown up all of a sudden. I just feel like I'm not a part of your life anymore. And Liz is like, I need my privacy. And I understand there's been a violation and she's right to be upset. But I feel like in this moment she could have been like, no, you are a part of my life, but I'm growing up and I need you to respect me as an almost adult. And like our relationship is going to change and evolve. And am I expecting her to be too emotionally mature again? Am I doing that thing? Yep. Yes. Okay. That's not how teenagers talk to their parents. <laughs> teenagers have yelling matches yeah, teenagers with their parents. Are the worst. So I think she's doing pretty well. Okay, fine. So they should stamp her feet and yell, I hate you and run away. Yep, yes. got it. Yes. She's actually pretty yeah. mature so for a teenager. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Fine. She goes to sleep outside the tent. Right. I'm guessing that we were supposed to assume that the conversation about privacy is why she's sleeping not in the tent with her dad. I'm sorry. The conversation about privacy is why she's sleeping outside in full view of everyone else in the entire campsite and any birds animals insects whatever privacy Mm -hmm. from her dad she didn't want to share a tent with him but also my question is where is maria sleeping because didn't she come with them in which case like is she in the tent with liz's dad i think she just like rolled over on her stomach and the aqua bra formed a buoy so she's just like floating (laughs) she's got a floating she's got a water bed built in to her sweater water bed just for her chest i'm sure she's comfortable yes Seems great. And this is where we get the freaking diary. Yeah, some more journal Comes narration. Comes back to haunt us all. Lisa's favorite. But it's like, it's mental journal narration, though, because she doesn't actually have her journal right. in the woods with her. She's just thinking about it for later. Right. And it's just meant to link Kyle's experience to hers. Right. I was going to say, something that happens here is kind of drawing this parallel 
Um, she's talking about Max pushing people away, but it all starts while the camera's on Kyle um, and talking about like how his dad is pushing him away. So she drew this mm-hmm. parallel there. And from a logistics perspective, it's very convenient that Liz is sleeping outside so she can see Max and Isabel sneaking off and go follow them to the creepy section of the woods where the creepy music plays. And fog. This is the designated creepy area. And fog, because New Mexico is very known for its fog and wet uh, climate. Yes, well, it's very regionally specific fog, so it's, like, only in the designated creepy area. Right, not at the campsite. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, I don't know. Liz wants to be involved in this, but I don't think she has the right to insist that Max and Isabel include her in this. Like, if they're just like, hey, we don't want you here, she should go back to the campsite. Yeah. Like, okay, you're doing your own thing. I get it. Instead, Maria shows up and Isabel's like, well, why don't we just send out a flare? And Maria thinks she's caught them having a woodsy tryst. <gasps> Which, wouldn't it be so much better if Maria and Isabel were having a woodsy tryst? Let's all take a moment to picture yes. that. Yes, I thought the same maybe thing. That, like, she's like, oh, good, you're here to talk some sense into them. But, like, maybe also we could just have a little tryst while we're here in the woods, yeah, too. Yeah, let's let Liz and Max talk out their issues while we bang out our issues. <laughs> <laughs> but Liz has made up her mind that she's going to follow Max, and Maria has made up her mind that she's going to follow Liz, and Valenti has made up his mm-hmm. mind that he's going to sneak through the forest at night following a group of teenagers. Totally normal. Don't worry about it. And there's this like little scene where Maria says they've been hiking for over an hour and she's freezing, and Liz just minimizes her experience. She's like, it's not that cold, whatever. Don't worry about it. Maria's like, um, I'm now wearing an ice bra, which is a great line, <laughs> but it A bad Mm -hmm. friend. Liz is consistently a bad friend to Maria, and I just want to call it out because Maria's like, here's my experience, and Liz is like, no, 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 whatever. Stop complaining. Yeah. And then there are search dogs? What are the dogs searching for? What were they trained? Like, what was the scent that they were given to hunt? um, I think that that was because, oh, yeah, that's a great point. They're not following any scent, but they were trying to find Liz, right? Because this is after the point that her dad realized she's missing. But I don't know. Did he report them as missing? We don't see him report them as missing I think until did, after the thing I with assumed. the dogs. But like, I also don't think that search dogs bark when they get close to something. Like the whole point is that they don't alert whoever they're searching for. Like if they're police TV search dogs, dogs do bark. Okay, well, real-life search dogs don't. It's bad <laughs> no, form. Right. You would just scare away the person that you're hunting. Anyway, whatever. This mm-hmm. whole thing doesn't make any sense. I don't think this is how search dogs work. I don't think this is what they do. But Jeff is appropriately worried as a parent whose child is missing. And so Liz volunteers herself and Maria to stay behind as a diversion. That's nice. Except Maria doesn't have a say in it because Liz is a bad friend. And also, like, okay, so if the dogs are specifically searching for... Liz and Maria, which I don't think they are. That's one thing. But, like, if they were just searching for people, there are so many other people around. They would still have Max and Isabel's trail to follow. There's mm-hmm. the whole campsite. That makes sense. I don't like it. It's stupid. <laughs> well, I'm not bothered by this. 
Okay. I Tell us about the next scene, Aliza. Well, first, I'd like to backtrack for a second because there was one oh, line okay. that I was proud of Liz for that I forgot to bring up when she... I feel like she, like, stood up to Maria. She's like, make up your mind, Maria. I've made up mine. Ugh, and I was, like, I hated it. proud of her. Well, keep it to yourself. I was kind of proud. <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs> I was kind of proud of her because I felt like... The whole episode, like, Maria was kind of, like, pushing her. She's like, we have to, like, wear different bras and, and you know, I'm going to lie to your ex and tell him we're going on dates. And, like, kind of Liz didn't have much authority over her own stuff. Um, and so I liked how she was just like, well, I have my own mind to make up. I've made mine up. You can do whatever you want. I liked it. Hard disagree, but okay, cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Um, okay. So then I want to talk about the Michael River Dog scene where they're like wandering around, also leaving a trail for these dogs to follow. Mm-hmm. And River Dog breaks mm-hmm. his ankle. Michael is like, heal it yourself. You're my dad. You're my dad. You're my dad. Please be my dad. Oh my God. Are you my dad? Can you be my dad? Just be my dad. And it's so heartbreaking. It's really sad. Yeah. And Riverdog is empathetic enough to understand exactly what Michael is getting at. And he's like, ah, sorry, I'm not your father. He's also empathetic enough to realize the sadness of that because he does apologize. He's like, sorry, I'm not your father. Yeah. And he's so sweet. The delivery of that line is great. Like, Mm -hmm. you can tell he's really like, oh, no, you thought this was something different. And I'm sorry that I can't be that for you. Right. And then... Michael is like, well, no worries. I definitely haven't been established as having healing powers or even being remotely in control of the powers I do have, which have largely been used in destructive ways up to this point. But now I'm fully confident that I can extremely quickly fix your broken bones and it's like not even a little bit tiring or difficult. So I just am going to see these pretty vision flashes and okay, we're done. Bye. Great. Good luck. Yeah. Like since when? Is Michael in control of his powers enough to do that? Since never. Since now. Yeah, since now. And also he doesn't have and Ma- healing And Maria powers. isn't even there to stand next to him, so his right. powers work better. Yeah. And, like, isn't that Max's thing? Isn't Max the one with the healing powers? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, but it is nice. Riverdog is like, oh, thank you. Now we're even. And Michael says, I don't think we'll ever be even, which is a nice acknowledgement. After the last episode where Michael was like, I can't be indebted to anyone, but he acknowledges that, like, yeah, he actually is indebted to Riverdog, who saved his life. Yeah. And it's nice. Mm-hmm. And, like... I feel like Michael's growing. Yeah. And Riverdog helped them find out a little bit more about themselves and is, like, there for them on this journey. So then we cut back to the cops, and yeah. they've found Maria mm-hmm. and Liz, and then Max and Isabel's parents are like, but or dad is like, but my kids are still missing too. And the cop is like, whatever, we didn't find them. We just found this crazy dude. The cop, I believe, says, no, sir. Yeah. <laughs> but also, like, Mr. Evans is not that concerned. He's just like, my kids are also missing. And the cop is like, whatever. And he's like, oh, okay. I also want to point out that this is now the second time in the series that Maria has saved the day with a story about having to go to the bathroom. In this one, she says she and Liz wandered off because she had to pee. And in 285 South, she got Michael out of the ticket from the highway patrolman by being like, he was speeding because I had to pee. So 
Maria's tiny bladder saves the day yet again. Yet again. Yay! Yay! Um, also, this is when they're arresting Milton, I believe. Why are yes. they arresting him? I, that's what I can't figure out a... either. No. I'm sorry. Is this Mm-mm. private land? He can't trespass? No. Because he's in the area. He's in the area that the police oh, that they blocked off, cordoned off. Mm. Yeah. So he's in a restricted okay. area. I, I don't. I guess. Okay. I do think his metal detector makes a lot more sense than the snippy dogs for trying to find a UFO wreckage. You know, it'd be mm-hmm. made out of metal or something. Anyway. But now River Dog and Michael find Isabel and Max, and they all find the symbol in well, the grass. first, I want to point out Kyle finds Jim and says that oh, he just yes. wanted to see what was more important to his father than he was, which is oh, brutal. Yeah. And Jim is just yeah. like, la-di-da, whatever. Oh, yeah. Following also, these other kids. can I go back to the metal detector thing at one point? Because, like, like how do we know that it would be made of metal? Like, it could be made of some totally other elements that they have in another galaxy. Okay, but it's probably not made of humans, which is what the dogs are sniffing for. Or, like, cocaine. No, you're totally right. I just, like, had a thought of, like, we always think of alien things as being made of metal, but, like, why would they be? Well, right, as we know from the 1994 Showtime television movie we watched, it's made from indestructible materials that spring back to life in very convincing CGI when you burn and or crumple them. Oh my god, that's CGI. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) It was so good. So when they all meet up, Max says that they're near the cave where Handsome Eddie left them, but like, that was in the middle of an open field. And now they're in the woods. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. is this the Fraser? woods and prairie lands recreation area is that where we're at yes okay great Mm -hmm. and kyle tells jim that jim has taken on the role of his own dad and kyle has taken on the role of jim's mom waiting for him to come home from hunting the spacemen it's very sad kyle tells jim yeah now i know why you never wanted to see grandpa again because to him you were just a low priority yeah yeah it's really sad and now kyle knows exactly how his dad felt yeah when his dad was younger but he's just repeating all those same mistakes and it's such a bummer Mm -hmm. so they find the swirly symbol in the ground and it like glows when they put their hands over it but then the sheriff comes in so max has to magic it away and jim is left as usual Knowing something is awry, but completely unable to prove it. I started to actually feel bad for him. It's like, he's just (laughs) desperate, desperate to find answers. And he's always just like a second late. And he's like, I know there was something there. What were you looking at? And the kids are all just like, we've been lost for hours. Thanks for finding us. Bye. Which I think was a great lie on Max's part. Like that was a a solid cover story. But right after he's like, mm-hmm. we've been lost for hours, he he and all of the others immediately, very confidently head off in the direction that they wanted to go. And yeah. I was like, we <laughs> undermine oh, your yeah. story, I bro. It. I didn't even catch that. Oh, that's so <laughs> funny. I loved it. And they just leave Valenti <laughs> standing there by himself. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then our final scene is uh, the second place where I noted a music change. We're at the nursing home retirement assisted living facility, whatever it is, where James Valenti Sr. lives. And in the original, the song that was playing was the very aptly titled uh, Van Morrison's 
sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Mm. And instead we get Mm. Thomas Anderson's You Surprise Me, which I don't think has quite the same emotional punch. If you want to listen to the Van Morrison song over this scene, let us know on social media if you think it has a different feel. I think it does. And that's where we leave this episode. So... And I think it's only fitting that we end with kind of a poignant moment between father and son um, for mm-hmm, this episode. Mm-hmm, that was absolutely, you know, it's very appropriate for this episode. Yeah. And Jim telling his dad, yeah. maybe you were right all along mm. when I think he needs to acknowledge to Kyle that like Kyle's also been right. Yeah. Jim mm-hmm. has been in the wrong. So this is like part of the correct takeaway, but he doesn't get all the way there he needs to also do the work of like fixing this relationship with kyle i do want to point out that the actor Mm -hmm. who plays valenti senior has been in oh my gosh so much stuff he was in the movie version of the musical 1776 he was one of the core cast members on the show northern exposure he played mark green's father on er he had a little (gasps) arc as a judge on law and order svu and most recently he had a recurring role in the show the middle so if you That's recognize him, him, ER, yeah. thank you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I recognized him and I didn't know what from. And then I looked around and I was like, oh, everything. Okay. I d- yeah, Dr. Green's dad. Um, yeah. And clearly what Kyle said got to Sheriff Valenti. Right. You know, because mm-hmm. like it seemed like he hadn't been to visit his father in a really long time. And then, mm-hmm. you know, because of what Kyle was saying, he went to visit him because he's like, oh, now I understand where my dad was coming from. Right. So I found mm-hmm. this uh, quote from William Sadler, who plays Jim Valenti. He said, We've done an episode in which Kyle makes me confront the fact that there's something else in my life that's as important or more important to me than my own son. At the episode's end, I go to see my own father because I've realized what I've been doing all this time. Mm very sad and so i hope that he Mm -hmm. works on that in the future and then we get to see their relationship being repaired yeah same yeah so we finished this episode so we just have two little things left as all of you listeners know the first up is uh lisa's predictions so lisa based on what we've seen in the first 12 episodes and based on episode 13's title the convention What do you think we're going to see next from our characters? So from IMDb and all of the guest stars, I know that this is when Kevin Weissman comes back. And so I assume it's like a Comic-Con type alien convention. Oh, I know Jonathan Frakes is in it too. So that's my assumption. And I'm really interested to see what happens. And I hope that I can only ever think of him as Marshall because that was his character's name on Alias. But I hope that Marshall and his friend or girlfriend, I don't know what their relationship is. I hope they're doing great. I anticipate that there might be some issues because as Jim made sure to remind us in the last episode, they are listed as witnesses, although not very credible ones, in the police report about the crash down shooting incident. So I imagine that might come up. And I also saw that this is Milton's last episode with us. And I'm so bummed about that. Is that a spoiler? Should I not say it? I don't know. It's on the IMDb page and this is the last time we see Milton and I hate it. And I want him to be here forever. I have Rah. no idea. Aww. That's really sad. So now it's time for Hot and Saucy. Now let's see. Who's hot and saucy? 
So who are y'all's picks for Hot and Saucy this week? I had to go with Maria when she first when she first comes in and does her whole speech about like men who needs them anyway. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our Instagram posts for the next two weeks are just going to be clips from Maria's anti-man uh, <laughs> diatribe in that scene. So get ready. <laughs> How about you guys? Um. Well, my pick is um. The very angelic and beautiful Isabel mm-hmm. with her backlighting in the crash nice. down. That's my choice this week. I went with Alex, and I think I said this in the previous episode where we saw his dream sequence, that it's just, like, really hot and sexy to want to get to know someone for who they are as a person. Mm-hmm. And he shows that again here. Like, the stargazing scene is so cute, and he's thought a lot about what stars mean to him now that he knows that they're not just points of light in the sky and that they have, because they have more meaning for Isabel, they have more meaning for him. And it's so sweet. And I love it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that is really Mm -hmm. sweet. So it's not particularly saucy, but it's it's hot in its own kind of way. Yeah. I mean, those stars are probably very warm, right? That's how stars work. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for joining us as we... I'll take a moment to picture Alex Charles Quishman wearing an aqua bra. We'll be back Tuesday, February 4th with episode 13, The Convention. And join us next week for our next mini-sode where we will continue the discussion of Into the Woods, this time the musical and movie adaptation of Into the Woods by Stephen Sondheim. We'll also be trying our hand at writing some of our own music to the tune of Into the Woods about our favorite Roswell characters. And remember, you can subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes or whatever other podcatcher you use because that helps other people find us. Check out our website at roswellhotsauce.com for bios and show notes along with some other cool stuff. And find us on Twitter and Instagram at roswellhotsauce. If you have any questions, feedback, or if you just want to get in touch, shoot us an email at roswellhotsauce at gmail.com. Pass the Hot Sauce is produced and edited by Ashley Hullett. Our theme music is by David Belcourt. Our logo was designed by Billy Murray. Until next time, ask yourself, aren't you tired of being a slave to men? <laughs>